It's uh, so much of a blessing and an honor for me to be up here, to be able to share what God's put on my heart this morning. I'm excited, and I'm expectant to see God move this morning. Who's expectant to see God move this morning? Yeah? I say it often, and I'll say it again. The atmosphere of expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. So if you want a miracle... The atmosphere of expectation. If you come into the house this morning and you're expecting God to move, He will move. So you better be ready. You better be ready. Amen? Hey, auntie. You've got to be ready. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I get, uh, I get to uh, round up this, um, this series on the church, which is something that I am very passionate about, and I'm passionate about it because Jesus was passionate about it. And, uh, and the Lord's revealed a little bit to me about, um, about the presence of God and where heaven meets earth and where the church, you and I, fit into that picture. And he's given me a little bit of a timeline through the history of Bible and, and where the presence of God is, has manifested, where God has, has, uh, has made his abode, where he has come and habitated amongst his people and what his desire has always been and what Jesus has done for that. So I'm, yeah, I'm amped and I'm ready to go. And I was very blessed this morning with the thought that Sophia brought to the prayer time. If you're a prayer warrior and you believe that prayer can move mountains, get here at 9.20 on a Sunday morning because we have a bunch of amazing prayer warriors and we pray up a storm uh, to to just get the heavenlies down to earth and and we see real answer to prayer. Uh, But this morning, Sophia shared an awesome word. Um, Paul spoke a little bit about the presence of God. And and in uh, kids' church, today. They are teaching on the presence of God. And then uh, Ruth got up and shared a scripture. I can't remember what it was now, but it's one that I'll be sharing as well later on. And isn't it just, this is what the Holy Spirit does every single week. You know, we don't actually talk to each other and go, hey, hey, can you teach in kids' church about the presence of God? Because I tell you what, I'm going to preach on the presence of God. The worship team, they're going to sing about the presence of God. So if we all tie it together, then people will go, wow, God's real. No, God is real, and the Holy Spirit just dovetails this stuff together every single Sunday because that's just who He is. And we're one body with Jesus at the head. Amen. Don't fall asleep on me now, computer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lay hands on it. The church. Well, I'm going to start with prayer because we all need a bit of that. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you so much that, that you have given us the church to be a part of, that you've adopted us into this family, that Jesus is our big brother, the first of many. And, and Lord, I just thank you so much that we are blessed to do this, to, to come here and to worship corporately and to sit under your word and to sharpen iron with iron and walk out better than we walked in, to walk out more Christ-like. Lord, this morning I declare that those that have walked through those doors and they've come through a week, you know, when you just go through a week, Lord, I just declare that that week is a travel-worn cloak that's been discarded out the door and kicked into the gutter, never to be put on again, and it's been replaced with a garment of praise this morning, Father. Yes, come on. Just, just lift people up this morning. Let them walk out with a light spirit, a spirit of joy. Let your joy be their strength for the week to come and many more after that, Father. Lord, let the words that issue forth from me be not mine but yours, and let them find good soil this morning in the hearts of those who listen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, praise God. I praise God if there's some people in here who are not used to being in church. 
I praise God if there's some people in here who maybe you might be feeling a bit uncomfortable, like what's this church thing? And what's he talking about soil? And what's he talking into soil for? And all these things that sometimes we as Christians who have walked a while can say and take for granted that people might know what they mean. But I'm, I'm happy you're here and just trust that with time will come understanding if you press in and listen to the Word and sit under the Word and get around people who know what they're talking about and get around people who don't as well because we're all good and we're all part of the body and we all have a part to play. But welcome. Welcome if you're new here. Welcome if you're not new to church. You are welcome here and you're part of the family. All right? I just want to extend that welcome. Yeah? Cool. Heaven touching earth, the place of God's dwelling. That would be the title of my message if I were to give it one. Heaven touching earth, the place of God's dwelling. Now, in the Garden of Eden, way back at the beginning, when God created everything and then he created man, he created this garden, this wonderful place, we can read there that God dwelt with his creation. He walked in the Garden of Eden. He was there. His footsteps hit the ground and he spent time with Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 3.8, we can see that um, because what happened is that, uh, you know, Adam and Eve were a bit naughty. Actually, Eve was naughty. And then Adam, Adam sort of, you know, fell under her influence a little bit. Um, you know, controversial subject there. Like, but, um, but anyway, the result, the result was that ultimately Adam disobeyed God. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And, they, and then they felt a bit ashamed. And then they, they suddenly realized, oh, we're in the Nikki. We're naked. We're not wearing any clothes. And they were like, oh. We didn't know what nakedness was before, but now we do because we ate of this fruit, the, no, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and now we understand that we're naked, and oh, we, we better hide, and well, they're hiding from God because God is walking in the garden, and we can see that in Genesis 3.8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So he was there. That was his desire, to abide with his people, to abide with his creation, to hang out with them. Isn't that cool? Yeah, but we stuffed it up. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve enjoyed the presence of God, and in the Garden of Eden, God dwelt there. Heaven was touching earth, and there was God's creation in the midst. I just think this is a beautiful thing. I am repeating myself. But what happened is that, we, you know, we stuffed up, and then we were evicted from the Garden and we were no longer walking with, with the tangible presence of the Lord. He didn't dwell with us. There were times where he would speak. There were times where the Spirit of God would come upon, upon people. There were times where, where his, his manifest presence would make itself known. But he wasn't walking with or abiding with his people. Until he commissioned Moses to build the tabernacle. All right. Now, if you're not familiar with Old Testament scripture, basically, um, you know, God's people went through all this struggle and then they ended up in Egypt. Some of you who watched uh, um, uh, Prince of Egypt, the cartoon movie, like I did when I was a kid and I wasn't in church, but I watched Prince of Egypt. So I learned the story of Moses. So some of you will know that and many of you will know it just from reading the Bible. Um, but, but Moses called from God, took his people out of Egypt and God made a way for them. 
from Egypt into the wilderness. Paul preached an amazing word on the picture of, of Egypt uh, and the wilderness and stepping into Canaan, into Jesus. And yeah, I, I encourage you to go back and listen on SoundCloud on our website if you haven't heard that. Um, but Moses took his people out. And then there came a time where God said, I want to come and I want to hang with my people. I want, I want to be with my people. I'm with you. I, I come and speak to you, Moses. I speak through you. But I want to actually have a place where I am abiding with my people because that's my desire. So he commissioned the building of the tabernacle, which was essentially a, a, a tent, uh, temple, church structure that they could pack up because they were nomadic. They were moving around. So they could pack, set it up and then pack it down and set it up and pack it down. And deep within this tabernacle, within this tent structure, was, was the Ark of the Covenant, was, the, was the, the place in the Holy of Holies where only the high priests could go. And he had to have all these conditions. You know, he had to have, you know, uh, certain sacrifices and things like that. He had to have bells on his robe and a, and a rope tied to his foot because the presence of God was that amazing that it was overwhelming and, and if he didn't do things right and he walked in there and and he hadn't done all the right sacrifices and things well he'd fall over he wouldn't be moving anymore because the presence of God would be that powerful and, and he'd have to get dragged out so it was this amazing place where God dwelt actually dwelt among his people that was his desire so he built the tabernacle and then so we see that in Exodus, Exodus 25 and 8 and he says and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So we see God's made another way to come and hang out with his people. See, that's his desire. Yeah? And then, and then this tabernacle went from this place to that place to this place to that place. And then Solomon, Solomon built a temple. Solomon built a temple, and I don't have that scripture here, but Solomon built a temple, and he put, this, he put the tabernacle in there, and then now there was this great fixed temple where God presided and God habitated, yeah? And then, and then this, is where, this is where God's presence was, and people could come in and spend time and, and worship and, and sacrifice, and, 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 and the high priest would intercede on their behalf, and he was, he was hanging with his people. But it wasn't quite enough for him. It wasn't quite enough, you know. We were, still, we were still not kind of meeting the mark with all the laws that he'd made and everything like that. But he always had another plan to unleash the presence of God in a way where you and I could each just access it like nothing else. Like in our home, like in our car, like here, now, you know. In Matthew 1, 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. So God not satisfied with only having being able to meet, uh, meet in this one place with his people, the high priest. He, he gave his son to us, and he abided and he habitated within his son. And so with Jesus, his feet were once again walking the earth with his creation. It was like the Garden of Eden again. He's walking the earth with his creation. He was pulling out disciples. But his presence was just in this, it was just in this one man, abiding in this one man, this perfect man, this all man, all God, Jesus, 
walking with his people. His, his, his desire was coming closer. But that wasn't enough yet still. Jesus wanted to unleash the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to all the church, to every one of his creation. That's his desire. Yeah. So in John 14, 19 to 20, Jesus said, A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus starts to paint a little bit of a picture, unveiling a bit of a mystery of his plan for us all along. He is abiding in the Father. We are abiding in him, and he abiding in us. The ultimate Garden of Eden cohabitation, presence of God, the church. Amen? So he told them this is going to happen. He was alluding to the, um, him going to the, to, uh, to the cross, taking all of our separation from God, being buried, coming through resurrection into new life. And it says in the word that we are co-buried and co-resurrected with Christ. So we're a new creation. And that new creation enables us to actually house the Holy Spirit. It prepares a way for the Holy Spirit and for God, for Jesus to come and inhabit us, to live in us. It's a pretty high price he paid to come and live in us. You think rent's high in kitty kitty. He gave his life to come and live in us. Yeah? Gave his life, walked this earth as a man went to the cross and gave his life to come and live in us so that that Garden of Eden dream could be a reality and you and I could walk with him, the church. In John 14, 23, another scripture here says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I know you feel like, Reuben, you're really driving this point, and I am. I'm driving this point home. Do you realize that you are housing the Holy Spirit? Do you realize that you are good enough for the Holy Spirit to come and make His home in you? Do you realize that it's not because you were a good boy? It's not because you read your Bible this morning, and it's, and it's, and it's not because you do nice, generous things. You know, we have some amazing, generous people in here. Guess what? That's not what qualified you to be the habitation of our God. What qualified you to be the habitation of our God is what Jesus did, not what we did. Amen? Amen? In Acts 1.8, and this is it. So Jesus goes to the grave, is resurrected. We're resurrected with him, but there's more. He's got a job for us to do, and he knows that we can't do it alone. All right? So he says to them, you've got to wait. You've got to wait. Before you go out there and do all this amazing mahi that I've got you called to do, you need to wait because I'm going to send you something. And he says in Acts 1.8, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to Aotearoa, New Zealand. 
to the end of the earth. But what preceded it? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There was this day, the day of Pentecost. And this was after Jesus had died and been resurrected. I'm giving you a crash course in the gospel right now. But stay with me. This is after when Jesus died and was resurrected. And then there was this day in the upper room where Jesus, he, or Jesus ascended. And then after this, these tongues of flame came down and touched all of these people and filled them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus went out to make a way for the Holy Spirit to come and empower his people. And now... What have we got? All of a sudden, we've gone from the cohabitation of Jesus walking with his feet on the ground next to his disciples to the Holy Spirit habitating, heaven-touching earth in the hearts and the spirits and the souls of every single living Christian. Every single person who has given their heart to the Lord is a place where heaven meets earth. What is heaven? Heaven is the presence of God. Jesus said to the criminal on the cross when he said, Lord, just can you forgive me, forgive me. I want to come with you. I, I believe, you know, in this guy. And Jesus goes, oh, you will be with me tonight in paradise. He didn't actually say you're going to go to heaven tonight. He said, you'll be with me. His presence is heaven. His presence is heaven. Your presence is heaven to me. That's heaven, the presence of the Lord. And guess what? I'm standing in heaven right now. I've got the presence of the Lord all around me because you brought him with you. And he's here among us. And this is the church, the desire of God, that the presence of God might be in the church, might bring heaven to earth, and might actually, might just make a difference here on earth, might actually bring his kingdom to earth. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's it going to happen? You and me. You and me. Amen? That's the church. (laughs) In 1 Corinthians 3.16, just to drive this home. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Yeah. Yeah, and if Jesus didn't make statement enough when he went to the cross and rose again and appeared to his disciples and then all this other stuff happened, when, when, he, when he went on the cross, you know what happened in that earthly temple? You see, there was this big, thick curtain that only the high priest could go through into the presence of God back then, before Jesus did what he did. And only the high priest could go in there. Like I mentioned before, it was dangerous if you weren't the high priest, if you didn't go through all the rituals and the sacrifices. But when Jesus died, this curtain was ripped in two. There was a great earthquake, and this curtain was torn in two, and it was Jesus saying, the presence of God is being unleashed on his church right now. There's no need anymore. For the holy of holies to be secluded and separated just for the high priest. Because Jesus is now your high priest. And Jesus is at my right hand. And guess what? I'm coming to stay at your place. I'm moving in. You are heaven on earth. Yeah, but I'm not very 
heavenly Reuben? That's all right. Jesus is. Yeah? That's all right. Jesus is. Hey, we could never be holy enough ourselves, but we're clothed with the blood of Jesus. Do you know, you, you, you might say, no, look, I don't think I'm worthy to have God dwelling in me. You see what I got up to last night? You see what I've been up to these last few weeks? You know, this is my first day back in church today, Reuben, and, and I only just managed to drag myself in here. And I'm, not, I'm feeling less than, man. I'm just looking for a little bit of maybe God still loves me. And you're coming at me with I'm the temple of God? I'm the temple of the living God? But I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with, this, with how good you are, with the state of your flesh. It has nothing to do with whether you're a naughty boy or a good kid. I used to think that. I used to think it before I came into church. I thought Christianity was all about you be a good boy and you go to heaven. You be a good boy in this life. Don't murder anybody. Don't do anything mean. You know, don't rob people. I was a bit like, but can you shoplift once or twice? You know, can we get away with that? Or is that like, because, I mean, can't, I, you know, I said the F word to my mum once. Does that mean I'm not going to heaven? You know, and then it's like you get these gray lines. It's like, well, how good do I have to be? How good do I have to be? Is there a gradient? And then people go, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's not a murderer. So, but, you know, he was lied once. But I'm just, he'll let him into heaven. Have a bit of a haggle at the door. You might get in. But then I realized when coming in here and God revealed to me that actually it has nothing to do with whether I've been good or bad. It has nothing to do with my ledger of good deeds or bad deeds. You know, being a Christian is not always synonymous with being good. It should be. <laughs> but it's less of I'd be good to be a Christian and it's more I live, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what it says in the Word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what that means is that it's no longer something you're trying to be. It is just who you are now. It's just facts. It's just who you are. Sometimes a person can act out of character. And, 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 and that's just the flesh, isn't it? It's just the old man trying to get back out of that grave that Jesus put him in. And we need to put him in his place. And we need to realize, hang on, that is not my true character. My character is the character of Christ now. I have the mind of Christ. I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've been born again of the Spirit. You know, that's not even my lineage anymore. That's not even where I come from anymore. My heritage is heaven. And I'm the dwelling place of God. Amen. Not, not so that we can be better than others. No. Do you know, it doesn't say in the Bible, all will know you because you're better than them. All will know that you're God's disciples because you guys are the goody goods. It doesn't actually say that. And in John 13, 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen? It's not loving to go, look at me, I'm going to heaven and you're not. Pull your socks up, kid. No. In Luke, in Luke 15, there's, there's, um, I think it's Luke 15, there's three parables. The lost coin, the lost son, the lost sheep. God's heart 
is for the lost. I'm going off piece now, but I'm, pa- I'm, I'm passionate about this. God's heart is for the lost. I actually, I share this in Pathways. I'm, I'm going to digress a little bit here, but I share this in Pathways. I've got, I've got two kids. I've got a young boy, my son, Taku Pōtiki and Taku Matamoa, my daughter, my eldest. My eldest daughter, she's got great taringas. Both of them do. They're both amazing kids. I don't want to speak death over my kids. But you know how kids, sometimes their legs work better than their taringas, you know? And so my son, he's full of energy. And sometimes he's just a bit faster than my voice, apparently, you know? So, so sometimes I might look around and my son might not be there at my side where he's meant to be. And, and I start wondering, was he out in the car park? Is the village looking after him? You know, where's my boy? Where's my boy? My, my daughter's here. My daughter's here, but where's my boy? And, um, and who knows that my daughter who's listening, who's being a good girl, who's in my presence... Who knows that my mind is consumed not with the one that's been the good girl in my presence, but my mind is consumed with the son that I've lost. The one who I don't know where he is. He's not in my presence. He's out there somewhere. He could be in a ditch for all I know, you know? And that, that's, where my, that's where my thoughts go, you know? That's where my mind is consumed, that's the heart of our Lord. You guys, you guys are amazing. You all turned up this morning. You could have been anywhere else. You chose to be here in the presence of the Lord, sitting under His Word. You chose to worship Him. You chose to be here. You're the good kids with the good tidings. And He loves it. We love our good kids, eh? But His mind and His heart, they're concerned for those that are out there that are not in here. His concern is for the ones that don't know how much He loves them. The ones that are out there who don't know that there's a freedom that they're not walking in. There's a freedom that they could, they could come in here on a Sunday. They could come in here or they could just in their living room just say, Jesus I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden, they are walking in the grace of God. All of a sudden, they are more than conquerors. All of a sudden, they are more than overcomers. All of a sudden, heaven is touching earth through a brand new pair of feet. All of a sudden, they're the answer to someone else's prayer. That's where his desire is. And so, shouldn't ours be there? Shouldn't ours be there? You know, loving, loving the lost. Seeking for the lost to come back into the fold, come back into reconciliation with the loving Father. And I think sometimes church can get a little complex, and it can get a little complicated. This morning I was, you know, this morning I was having frustrations with technology. I'll just share with you, you know. We've got a new check-in system, and it all runs on technology and internet. And I tell you what, when the internet goes down, we're in trouble. Hey, <laughs> come on, Jesus, the internet's gone. Come take us home. <laughs> There's no Wi-Fi. I know all our teenagers can relate. <laughs> hey, it's like the end of the world. No Wi-Fi. And, and sometimes we can get caught up in the process, and I'm the, I'm the first one to do it. I'm a process-minded guy, you know. But church was always meant to be quite simple, really. You know, love God, love people. You know, and you got to take a breath. You know, my wife comes over to me this morning and she says, don't let it steal your joy, babe. You know, exactly the word I wanted. God always speaks through my wife, eh? Always, always. And I got this scripture actually out of Acts 2, 46 to 47. And this is, this is the church 
the new church, the baby church. As Simon, I think it was, started up, eh? Yeah, upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And in Acts 2, 46 to 47, it says about the church. So continuing daily with one Honda Accord in the temple. And... No, hold on. <laughs> with one Commodore in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. See, there's two parts here. One Accord in the temple. That's what we're doing right now. Church is important. The gathering of the saints is important. Corporate worship is important. You are where heaven meets earth on your own. But man, when you get us together, hey, when you get a how was worship, when you get us together and we're worshiping the Lord and he's being enthroned on our praises, mountains are being moved. Amen. People are being healed. You know, this is the place where impact, big impact. And when you get in a conference scenario, we're all going to arise. A few of us are going to arise in a few weeks. Mate, when you're in among thousands of Christians that are just praising God, there's something like you've never felt before, an anointed presence of God. But more than that, he's more than just in the big lights and the, he's more than just in the big congregations. He's also in the smaller groups. So we see here, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Yeah. Life groups. Come on. Can I get an amen for life groups? Yeah, come on. Life groups are important. Meeting in the house. This is church life, doing it together. Breaking bread. Oh, amen on breaking bread. Amen on breaking bread. Boil up, honey. Oh, yeah. Find, find a home group with a good chef. Find a home group with a good chef. Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in the, um, actually, that's not how I interpret that doctrine. And did you know that syncopation shouldn't be in church music? And didn't you know that, uh, that actually um, Tom 2 is of the devil? You know that Tom drum? No. Nope. That shouldn't be in there. And, uh, you know, we can, we can sometimes come at loggerheads over doctrine. And uh, the Apostle Paul cautioned us against this. He said, basically, our summation is, you know, stop, stop niggling over little doctrinal differences. Church is meant to be simple. Yeah? Church is meant to be simple. And when I look here, when I look out here, I see, I see so many different people from different walks, different ages, different ethnicity, just so many different people. And to me, this is a healthy church because we are walking together. There are many minors that we could major on, but we're not. We love God and we love people. And that's what's important to all of us. So they went from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Keep it simple. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Having favor with all the people. Having favor with all the people. It'll just happen. You don't have to strive for it. If we're just loving God and loving people, that's how they'll know us. And you'll walk in favor. Having trouble in a, in a rough rental market, you're trying to find a fuddy. Just walk with the Lord, love God, love people. He'll make a way. You know, I can testify to that. Got no car, He'll make a way. He'll make a way. Doesn't He gild the lilies? 
Doesn't he feed the sparrows? How much more will he clothe you? How much more does he love you? Walk, walk with him. And the Lord, this is the part here, Acts 2, 46, 47. Sorry if I keep making you put the scripture up and down there. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's our heart for the lost. Guess what? Who adds, who adds them to the church? Who adds them to the church? The Lord. Am I going out there Monday to Friday, grabbing onto people, grabbing them by the scruff of the neck, throwing them into church and going, listen, boy, listen. No. I love God. I love people. And in doing that, we find that the Lord adds to the church those who are being saved. They might not get saved in the church. Hallelujah. I've got a brother, I've got a mate. He, he was saved in his living room. Threw down the drugs, threw down the alcohol and said, praise Jesus in his living room. There was no preacher. There was no worship team. There were no lights. There was no data. There was no kids church with no internet. It was just him. And all of a sudden, heaven hit earth through his feet. And then the spirit awakened in him and said, boy, you need to get to church. And man, I can tell you that. I'll tell you that story about how that happened. It involved a knife fight and, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so, and a couple of phone calls. And all of a sudden, I was connected to him. And Gary Peach was bringing him to church. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, God, God does it. He moves, you know. And he's the one who adds to the church daily those who are being saved. I tell you what, it's a crazy life being a Christian. Don't let anyone tell you it's boring. Don't let anyone tell you it's, 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 it's trapped. This is the freest I have ever been. The six years I've been walking with the Lord is the freest I've ever been. Before I met the Lord, I used to play on big stages. I used, I used to play music. I used to, I used to live what I thought was the dream in absolute freedom. I never experienced a moment of freedom compared to the day that I gave my heart to the Lord. And I've been living shackle free ever since. There's been things come up, but the Lord always, He always prevails. He always provides. He always moves. He always makes a way. And here I am today, walking in absolute and utter freedom. 